What's going on? It's episode 36 for Break Your Culture Weekly. Thank you so much for joining and continuing to come back and listen to our podcast. We really do appreciate it, and we love the feedback that you've been giving us, and we uh, we look forward to keep giving you good t- content. And today is a great example of that. Uh, we have the pleasure of speaking with J.P. Schwartz, who is uh, known as Japers across forums and social media, Japers413 on Twitter. J.P. is awesome. Uh, I have followed J.P. for quite some time. Uh, for multiple years now, and I consider him really the resident expert when it comes to prospecting uh, across Major League Baseball. And uh, I look for, forward to his tweets and information uh, as we roll into 2018 Bowman Draft, or any Bowman Draft release for that matter. But uh, he just does a great job of consolidating all kinds of prospect information and then putting it back out there for us as collectors and the hobbyists to understand what that actually means for us. Uh, so follow him first off on Twitter, Japers413, and then listen to this 35-minute interview with JP. Uh, I get the chance to kick it with him. We just talk about everything from the way he consumes information to the way he puts together his reports, how he contributes to Bowman Checklist, what does 2018 Bowman Draft look like now that the checklist is out. We really dug into that, Uh, and it's a great, great product. I think it's going to be awesome this year. And uh, he definitely confirms that. And uh, I think it. <laughs> if you're not excited about Bowman Draft right now, you will be by the end of this episode. And if he throws out a couple names, which he normally doesn't do, but he throws out a couple names for you to consider as you're jumping into breaks and as you're you're doing your own prospecting. Um, so be sure to listen to that. He also talks about some other ways to participate and to get involved in prospecting. One of them, wait for it, includes buying leaf products it's like the bridge drug if you will for bowman draft so listen for that too Uh, i thought it was a great analogy and a great way to use a product like leaf to invest in in players that you're looking for so overall just a really good conversation i really really enjoyed the conversation with, with jp and i think you're going to as well let us know what you think And uh, we have three more interviews that are already recorded, ready for you to come out this week. Uh, So be staying in touch with us, watching closely, and uh, we'll catch you on social and on BreakerCulture.com. Enjoy the episode. JP, good morning. How are you doing? Good morning. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Didn't think no it'd problem. be as easy to get you with Bowman Draft, kind of hot and heavy, but I appreciate you making some time. So Bowman Draft obviously comes out in a couple of weeks. I mean, what uh, you're obviously excited. Your your Twitter's your Twitter activity's picking up. It got pushed back a week or so, but I guess before we dig into a little bit about you, I mean, what's your initial reaction to Bowman Draft this year? You feeling good about it? Well, yeah, I, I like the uh, checklist overall. Um I knew they were going to hold back at least a couple of names, uh, bigger names for next year's Bowman. That's the custom that they do each year. And this year, those names are Kyler Murray, uh, Joey Bart, and uh, Seth Beer. Um, But they did get the other 24 out of the 27 first rounders and several other supplemental and second and third rounders. So uh, um, I think this checklist is very promising. Um, I do wish they would have gotten a few – later round guys that uh, 
because this top seems to think that only the, um, the best <laughs> players are found in the first day of the draft or so, or the, or the beginning of the second day is well. right. So there are some uh, later round guys. Um, I would have liked to have seen the, the McGuire, but they didn't. But that's not a big deal. They yeah. state one, one good thing I I like about it is that they cut back on the number of autographs from last year's Bowman draft picks. So for those who uh, rip wax, um, they'll have a better chance of pulling the names that they're hoping for out of packs. So yeah. I give this checklist a B plus overall. Okay. What? Well, how would you How would you rank it in terms of the last few releases? Is it Is it near the top? And obviously we don't uh, know that yeah. yet, but. Well, I mean, I'm just, it's all, it's all speculation at this point. Right. But, um, I, I think this year's draft crop is uh, very impressive. Um, I think it's about on par as, as with last year's uh, draft crop. So, um, and last year's is still, uh, still forming, but uh, I think it's going to be uh, promising overall. I look forward to uh, seeing these guys make their uh, full season, at least most of these guys, make their full season debut in April next year. Yeah. That's awesome. That's, that's great to hear you say that. I know uh, having chances of hitting top, or t- top talent and, and at least in base auto form is, is always a good thing. So so what about you in terms of collecting? How, how did you get into this and, and kind of what's your background? What got you into the hobby and into baseball in general? Well, in, uh, I first got into baseball cards back in 1987 when okay. uh, a friend of mine, a neighbor of mine, uh, showed me all of his uh, cards, especially the 1987 tops. I love the the little All Star rookie yeah. gold punch bowls, with uh, and I became a fan <laughs> at, at that time. And uh, I started collecting uh, Jose Canseco cards. Yeah, um, he was the first guy I started uh, collecting as much as I could. Um, I didn't really get into the Bowman product until 1995 when I saw uh, Andrew Jones and Vladimir Guerrero cards uh, selling for more than. I expected, and I mm-hmm. started researching them and uh, trying to find out why they were so expensive. And ever since then, I've gotten into a wonderful world of prospecting, and I have not looked back ever since. Oh, that's awesome. That's great. So, wh- where does your scouting information and scouting knowledge come from? Well, uh, the internet. I, I, <laughs> um, I basically Google, and I also uh, I like researching uh, players on. Sites like Baseball America. Yeah. I also read uh, Keith Law's columns. I, I'm an ESPN uh, insider subscriber for last few years because of him. Um, and I like. Uh, I also will, will occasionally read John Sickles' columns. Okay. And, um, basically, I just uh, get as many different opinions as I can, and uh, I like uh, looking at stats. I like uh, going from box score to box score. <laughs> Um, each day of the minor league season and I like to tweet updates as they happen and uh, that's basically why I've gotten as many followers as I have because people like to read my updates yeah no absolutely it's it's not easy to consume that information you, you consolidate it and make it nice and easy for folks so do, do you watch a lot of games no I don't really have the chance to uh, watch the games and be able to uh, post updates at the same time so I, I yeah. choose to just uh, read the box scores and uh Maybe later on in the evening, if if uh, videos or highlights have been posted of uh, these home home runs or, or or good starts from pitchers, I'll I'll look at them and and one and, and uh, watch how they did it. Hmm. But uh, that'll be later on. I don't actually watch the games as they happen. Um, I basically have a 
rather short attention span for that kind of thing. I'd rather just uh, watch the highlights on ESPN. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Well, if you were to spend time watching all these players, you wouldn't have time for anything else. So I, I'd totally yeah. get it. What uh, what would you say? I mean, you're, you're breaking down stats. You're looking at box scores and, and all that good stuff. What would you say is the hardest skill to measure when it comes to some of these prospects? Um, probably how proficient they are with the bat. Because, uh, I mean, bats, uh, let's see, the, the, uh, the their hitting, uh, mm -hmm. their, beta, their play discipline, yep. all I basically have to go on are their – is to measure between the walks and strikeouts, but there are more intangibles uh, than just that. So uh, that's probably the hardest I would say. Gotcha. And I guess on the flip side, what, what would you say? I mean, home runs obviously come to mind first for me, but what, what skill or stat do folks or do you most quickly identify with and say, okay, this is something that's going to, that's going to translate well. Well, if a player has a large amount of walks, then uh, I'll be encouraged. Okay. Um, I really want them to to uh, be able to know when to take walks and when to swing. Um, that's so. That's probably the first thing I look at when I check out a hitter's uh, stats. So I want to see how how um, how willing he is to take the walk. Gotcha. So on base percentage is a big deal in, yeah. in your book. Interesting. Okay. Nice. So so you do a great job of kind of breaking down each each I guess each season uh, or each release, but. I think of in terms of seasons, your star categories. And I think this season you had a couple five stars and maybe 15, four stars. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, but when, when you're looking at your star categories, what, what translates to a five star prospect? What does that actually mean? Is that, well, is that, for me, I, I, yeah, go ahead. It's, it's basically uh, the future, um, future market value of the cards. I'm not, oh, okay. that, I'm not taking into account how, uh, um, what uh, type of uh, whether he's a five-tool player or not? I'm taking into account yep. uh, how, how well his cards will sell, and which and that uh, also involves uh, the team that he plays for. Uh, if he's if he's uh, with the, like say the Marlins or the um, you know, for instance the Marlins, and mm -hmm. uh, I don't expect him to be like a two or three hundred dollar card out of the gate, uh, even if he's killing it in the minors. Um, right. But uh, if, in fact, he's with the Mets or the Yankees or the Cubs yep. or the uh, Dodgers, there's a greater chance that his cards are going to uh, sell for more than what you might expect. So that's I take that into account uh, very heavily when to compiling what I call the star chart. Oh, I love it. That's helpful to know. So are, are you a collector yourself? Do you do a lot of press prospecting and hoarding of the, the young rookies and prospects? Well, uh, I try not to hoard them. I try to flip them when I think they reach their peak. Because you're wise, is that why? <laughs> occasionally, I'll um, I'll miss the boat, and I'll I'll um, I'll try and sell a little too late, or sometimes I'll sell too early. Okay. <clears throat> sometimes I'll be stuck with a bunch of cards of players who never made it. Um, <laughs> I I should show you my 2004 Mitch Einertsen collection. I've got hundreds. <laughs> hundreds of his cards i i got i got on board his bandwagon when the uh, first when i first heard about him and read about him in his first year when being drafted and he was put up an impressive uh season then but then basically fell off the map and you haven't heard anything about about him since yeah. so still got a bunch of his cards lying around so i, I try to uh have more successes than failures but uh 
it's an ongoing process. It's the battle never ends. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm sure as, as a prospector yourself, uh, and that, that just sounds fun. I think of like mining for gold when I say that, but, uh, you always, you probably have to f figure out a balance to pushing out information, but also using your own information to, to collect guys and to, I guess, drink your own Kool-Aid, if you will. Um, yeah. You know, it's funny. I, when you see, you're talking about 2004, I, I went all in on 2014 Bowman draft. I've never spent more money on a product in my life. Um, cases upon cases of Bowman draft searching for the Austin Jackson or Alex Jackson. And, uh, was that, I think it was Jake Gatewood that year, Jacob Gatewood and both. And I, I those are the two guys I locked onto and thought there's just no way these guys fail. And sure enough, both of them failed. <laughs> I think Gatewood's already DFA'd and I don't know where Alex Jackson is, but he's not in the Mariner system anymore. So with the Braves. Is he with the Braves now? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So who would you say, if you were to think of kind of most disappointing prospects over the past few years, what, what couple names come to mind to you? Um, well, let's see. I'm looking at, uh, actually, as you're, as you asked that question, I'm, I've got a bunch of, uh, checklists, uh, on my wall. I'm looking at the names on my wall. Um, <laughs> well, for one, um, from this year, uh, there's, there's one that I'm, I'm hoping he eventually gets gets out of the gate. He was traded to the Tigers organization. His name is Franklin Perez. Mm -hmm. uh, young, he's he's basically having, having trouble staying healthy. But he was people. Um, the uh, the experts were very very high on him before he got traded to the Tigers, and ever since then he has not stayed healthy uh, for long periods of time. But uh, I think he's going to uh, eventually rebound. I think he's going to. Um, We'll see. It. Well, next season will be pretty, pretty much crucial for him. Let's see how he does. Yeah. Um, if I could go back further on. Oh, uh, here's one. Uh, Kevin Maiton, of, uh, formerly of the Braves mm -hmm. organization, who was traded to the uh, Angels organization. Uh, he was, uh, you know, he was in Bowman Chrome uh, a couple of years ago, and uh, unfortunately, he's put on a lot of weight. Uh, since signing with the Braves, and he's made quite a few uh, errors at uh, shortstop and then to third base, and so um, his star is dimmed quite a bit. So uh, <laughs> I'm hoping he can again rebound next season. Maybe he'll maybe he'll start off at uh, low class A for the Angels, and um, I'm hoping he can get in better back in back into shape and. And uh, swing the bat like uh, the way he did when the, the Braves first drafted, or excuse me, first signed him. Yeah. So uh, those those two names are ones that uh, I like it. I like it. I think every baseball collector has at least a few Maiton autographs sitting around. I feel like he popped up for a while there just about in every product. So yeah, but uh, do, do so obviously as a prospector, Bowman draft is the kind of the creme de la creme of products, but do you do you personally collect any other products? Um, not for a long time. I haven't. No. Okay. Um, I did do some Bowman uh, Platinum and some Bowman Sterling, and also I do some also uh, Donruss Elite, and um, occasionally I'll do the uh, Leaf Perfect Game uh, oh, products. Interesting. Okay. The. Uh, the, I, I only go for the the parallels, which are really low numbered, because the higher numbered stuff is basically 
hardly worth anything because Leaf is basically the only is basically a product you buy until he has a Chrome autograph. Right. And you got to you got to unload them quick when you find out that they're going to have Bowman Chrome autographs. <laughs> then you know they're going to plummet. So, but if you find you can still find them cheap when the product the Leaf product first releases, you can find you can generally find them really cheap. Um, because they uh, they come out uh, about a year before they're actually drafted by their teams, so Interesting. you buy them early and then and then you sell them when uh, after basically after they've been drafted. Like, I, I've sold many a card of theirs uh, on the day of the draft. Mm-hmm. That's when their names are in the news, and that's when they're getting hyped, and uh, that's basically when people are going to go searching for their cards. No, that's great advice. I've never really thought of uh, Leaf as a bridge product, but that's a great way to say it. <laughs> it really is a bridge product until the real the real thing comes out. Definitely. <laughs> that's funny. So, so you know, I had a couple questions. Of, you know, we have a lot of folks listen that either are into group breaking or uh, or into ripping and with or ripping and flipping and all that typical jazz. But what would you? What would be your advice? And that's a great piece of advice you just gave with Leaf. What would be some other nuggets of wisdom you'd give to folks that are trying to get into prospecting? and don't know really where to start, what would be your um, tips? Well, I uh, I would start off with Baseball America. Um, I consider them a very reliable and uh, very um, organized outfit, and uh, I, w- I would uh, go on their site, start reading as many articles as you can. You know, a lot of times you'll have to uh, become a subscriber to – read the, the stuff, but I consider it money well spent. Mm-hmm. Um, I also buy their prospect handbook every year. That's another good source of information. So that's where I would start. Okay. Nice. Would you, uh, would you recommend just focusing on a product like Bowman draft? Well, um, that's probably the, that's the most popular of the Bowman products each year, but, uh, I still go for regular Bowman, um, as a second best. And then Bowman Chrome as the third. Um, Bowman, basically, I mean, I, I, I personally wish they would split the uh, split up the Bowman product between paper and Chrome into yeah. separate products, but they they integrate them both into one product. So uh, that's um, it's it's good for the uh, for those who collect and don't necessarily prospect, but for folks like myself. Um, I prefer Chrome the obvi- for obvious reasons because they have uh, better chances to appreciate and value right. uh, the papers, paper prospects. But uh, my in my top three in order are Draft and then Bowman and then Bowman Chrome. Love it. Cool. Yeah, that, that makes sense. That absolutely makes sense. So you uh, do, do you grade cards at all or do you buy graded yes. cards? You do? Okay. Uh, um, most of the, uh, 90% of the time I will grade my own cards. Ten percent, I'll buy them already graded. If I can't find what I'm looking for ungraded, I'll, I'll, I'll as a as a second uh, choice, I'll uh, buy them already graded. Gotcha. So, what would be your advice for for again a, somebody who's investing in the players? Do you grade early on, or do you wait and, until you know they're for sure worth the time and the money into grading? What's kind of your thought process? Well. My first choice is to grade if there's some if the grading company is having a special. Uh-huh. Um, if I can find them cheap, or if I can grade through uh, an intermediary, um, which uh, sometimes I do, um, I will. If I can find them cheap, find a cheap a method of grading and 
one that uh, they guarantee their turnaround time, mm-hmm. which they don't always do that. <laughs> uh, I will. Uh, I, that's that's the first choice. So if, otherwise, otherwise they'll. Uh, if I can't find that, and I want, I'm in a hurry to get something graded, then uh, then that's what I'll do. Um, I'll send like five or ten days for turnaround. Gotcha. Um, if also in the off season, I'll I'll no problem grading the the slower method because obviously there's no yeah. big hurry since the players are playing. Right. Um, like in October, November, December, I'll maybe I'll use 45 day or or even 65 day turnaround time. Um, Beckett, unfortunately, they've been they've been inundated with a huge backlog, and as a result, um, I've last I heard their um, their slowest method is now taking upwards of a year to get back. Oh my goodness! Almost like last I heard was like ten or eleven months. So uh, I don't use I don't use that method anymore. No, no you'd have to have a, uh, an incredible stroke of luck for those players to pan out a year later and, and hold the value. Yeah, you know I, I think. Both PSA and BGS are both struggling with that. I saw an email actually this morning from from Steve over there at PSA, and they're they're having some issues, and they've hired I guess forty percent more employees. They've, they've increased capacity because they just can't they can't keep up with demand. I guess that's, everyone's doing it. So interesting. So as a two things here. One, you you mentioned that you contribute to the Bowman checklist. What 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 exactly does that mean? How how involved are you with that process, and are you in constant communication with the tops team? Um, I'm not sure. I I wouldn't quite say constant, but I do uh, co- uh, contact them whenever I have either questions to ask or if I want to contribute my my prospect lists. And I do my prospect list suggestions at least twice a year, sometimes three times a year. Uh, my first criteria is to find players that have not had Bowman autographs in any capacity uh, as of that point um i do not I'm, i am not a fan of repeating autographs mm-hmm. in uh, different uh, products um which tops does tend to do especially with the uh the high the higher end guys uh the first one we know about of course was chris bryant they they gave him uh one and then they gave him more and then they gave him more and then they they redistributed his 2013 cards across several products and uh, I mean, I understand why they did it because they didn't they didn't want to be stuck with them at the factory. But uh, right. um, when I send them suggestion lists, I will uh, I will definitely find players that have not had Chrome autographs as of that point. And um, then when I see the checklist for their next product, then I will get on get to work on another suggestion list mm-hmm. for, for more players in their in their next product and uh, find. The, pro- the players that I think will sell for the most, who have been the most hyped, and of course who have not had Chrome autographs. So those those are my criteria. Interesting. So what percentage of, I guess, folks that you recommend would you say Bowman actually throws into the product? Um, a high percentage, as uh-huh. far as I know. Um, as far as I mean, I never really sat down and calculated exactly how many, but sure. um, I would say at least three quarters of the names I suggest. Wow. Uh, will make it. But then again, I don't know if that's me or if that's just them confirming with me what they already know. So I can't exactly take credit for it because they haven't told me, wow, well, I never thought of that one. <laughs> right. they, they never thought about the number one draft pick. <laughs> yeah, they, well, they, they don't, uh, they don't actually tell me that it's basically on a need to know basis. Uh, they'll, they'll give me information. Gotcha. Well, for the sake of the podcast, we're going to give you all the credit. 
Thank you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're welcome. Um, so December, right? We got winter meetings coming up. Do you do you find any value in, in the winter meetings? And really from now until the end of the year, do you, is there anything that collectors should be looking out for that'll impact price? Well, yeah, I want to see which prospects switch, uh, switch organizations. Okay. If they switch organizations from a high market team to a low market team, then obviously their cards are going to, values are probably going to fall. Uh, one name who just recently came to mind is uh, the Mets first round round draft pick, Jared Kalanick. Mm. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but um, he's apparently going to be going to the Seattle Mariners in, in that uh, Edwin Diaz, uh, oh, Robinson gotcha. deal. And so um, unfortunately that means his card values are probably going to fall some. But um, in the winter meetings, that's the first thing I, ch I, ch I check out is uh, which prospects are going where. And um, it's always uh, mm -hmm. it's always it's always a cause for celebration when someone gets traded to the Cubs or the Yankees or the Dodgers. Um, but uh, I also look at the Rule Five draft, yep. which takes place during the winter meetings. Um, it's, that's pretty much to a much lesser degree. Because these are pro these are lesser known prospects, who um, at one point may have been higher end prospects, but who whose stocks have fallen since. I, if they get traded or get uh, picked, I should say, by the these high market teams, then obviously that will help their help their values a little bit. Right. So that those are the two things I look forward to the most when looking. Uh, and reading the updates from the winter meetings. Oh, that's great. That's really good advice. Yeah. So you mentioned high market teams, and I think everyone thinks of the Yankees and the Red Sox. Um, what are a couple teams that maybe folks don't realize actually have pretty good market value? Well, for one thing, there's the Padres. Um, okay. They have a, from what I understand, they're going to have the number one overall farm system. I've, I've been reading from Baseball America's staffers. Uh -huh. They seem to think that they're going to have the top farm system. Um, when they put out their prospect handbook in a couple of months. So um, you wouldn't immediately think of them as a, a high market team, uh, but uh, they definitely have really, really high ceiling prospects. Uh, first and foremost, Fernando Tatis Jr. Mm -hmm. So I, I think uh, that's what's definitely in a textbook example of teams that can sneak up on you um, with prospects that can, uh, whose values could uh, go a lot higher than you would anticipate. Right. Yeah. It, okay. That, that, that's that's a good one for sure. And I guess when I said that, I was thinking, who would I put on that list? And I almost would throw a team like the Blue Jays on there with um, Guerrero. Brad Guerrero. Yeah. Junior. I mean, he just immediately turned that franchise into something worth watching. But interesting. They're going to be, uh, I think, a at least a top ten system, maybe top five system. And uh, their card values don't always reflect that, though. But uh, in the case of Vladimir Guerrero, his his family name is what's selling his cards for sure. <laughs> no kidding, no kidding. And he's he's living up to the hype uh, without a doubt. So uh, his his father definitely taught him well. So that's that's why you can't find his autographed Bowman Chrome cards for any less than what five six hundred dollars each. Oh, it's insane! It is insane. Yeah, you find a good grade of one of those, and you're looking close to a grand. It's just. It's mind blowing. It's a good thing. Do, do you think players like that are great for the hobby, or do you think it kind of distorts the the scale a bit? Well, I mean, it's great for people who pull their cards, but <laughs> as far as uh, people trying to invest in their cards, that's obviously an uphill battle. I mean, you have to wait until they calm down. Um, 
or maybe get injured, unfortunately, that's that's when uh, that's that's a good time to buy their cards. Uh, but uh, it's a double-edged sword. It's great to pull, but it's hard to invest. In. Yeah, no kidding, no kidding. All right, well let's let's go back real quick to to this uh, the release of Bowman Draft coming out in a couple of weeks. It got pushed back to the twelfth, right? Is that is that right? Twelfth, the fourteenth. Okay. What um, you have two five stars, you have twelve four stars, twenty nine three stars. What um, give us a couple names that we should, as prospectors, be really watching, and you think will will surprise a lot of people with their value? Well, generally, I keep that stuff rather close to the chest, but I'll go sure. ahead and give okay. you a couple. I'll give you a couple. Okay. Um, I'll give you one of the four guys I labeled as a four star prospect, and that's uh, Nico Horner. Nico um, Horner, who is not a first rounder, but he was the first pick of the Cubs, and he impressed really, really well in the. Arizona Folly. He was actually the only draft pick from this year to be selected to play in the in the Fall League. He lived up to the hype, um, and uh, he's great, great hitter, and he had surprising power. So um, I would consider him a four star prospect. Being with the Cubs system obviously does not hurt at all. Yeah, no kidding. I look for that. I look for his base Bowman Chrome autographs to be at least fifty dollars, maybe seventy five, maybe even more. Hmm. So that's one I would look at. Um, and if you want to go down to the lower end, um, I'll give you a two-star guy that I think right now who could surprise you at some point, but because of the system he plays for, that's basically going to hurt his card values, and that's Will Banfield mm. of the Miami Marlins. He's one of the top overall catchers in this year's draft, um, and apparently he's a pretty, pretty decent hitter too. So um, I don't think his card values are going to, be high out of the gate. I could be wrong, but uh, I think uh, he's one that could surprise people. So I would keep an eye on him. Will Banfield. Awesome. All right. So Nico, Nico Horner and Will Banfield. Those are awesome. Thanks for throwing a couple names out there. So you, you obviously run a, a website, Top Prospect Alert. Um, well, actually, that, that's not actually my website. I just contribute to it. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Well, thanks for clarifying. What? Uh, how can folks? best follow the information you put out and is there a way to get names and stuff that you you kind of hide in there is there a way to subscribe to that what how can we well i don't actually i mean i the only really thing i can tell you is you yeah. can follow me on twitter at uh, jpers413 j-a-y-p-e-r-s 413 and i also post very frequently on the blowout message boards mm -hmm. and uh, you can uh, you can read me there um I also occasionally will post on freedomcardboard.com. I uh, not as much lately because basically uh, they, there aren't as many prospectors on there as there used to be. Gotcha. They've pretty much all migrated to the blowout boards, but those are the two boards I contribute to. But um, I contribute the most to my uh, to my own Twitter account. Love it. It's great. Thanks for being active on that. So you mentioned blowout, and you obviously saw there was, or maybe you, you didn't, but I'm assuming you did. There was a kind of a flash um, break, 10 case break that Houdini did. And I think it had the top 20. He threw up the top 20 values for these players. Did you happen to see that? You know what I'm referring to? Yeah, I watched the uh, the bidding. You watched uh, the auctions? Cool. What, did any, yeah, the, uh, anything I noticed, of course, um, they sell for way, way higher than you expect yeah. because everyone's basically gambling on him pulling – really high-end parallels of their of their players and uh it's uh, it's a crapshoot really um 
I they were too high for my taste. I didn't bid on, on this time. In in past years, I have, and I did uh, earlier this year. I won uh, the autograph spot of uh, Brandon Marsh. Mm, okay. From the Angels, and I I lucked out because he uh, pulled uh, quite of quite a few uh, high end parallels of him, and I made my money back. But uh, in in previous years, I had not I have not done nearly as well as I did with him. But uh, it's you, you basically have to find – the trick is to find a player you think is very promising and has a very high ceiling who no one else will know of. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, all it takes is one other person to bid up against you, and then it's off to the races. And you'll end up spending a lot more than you want to. So it's really, really high, high, uh, pro, high, um, high, high risk. risk. High risk. That's Yeah. Any, any of those names really surprise you? Um, well, uh, probably Jared K- Kalanick, the Mets prospect I told you about. Because he was top, right? I think he was like a thousand bucks or nine hundred and fifty or something. Like nine hundred, I think. Yeah, and wow. basically, you're in in a ten case break, which I think became a twelve case break after the uh, he, he had to do a couple of extra cases to his break. Um, I think. Basically, the odds are you're going to pull four, maybe five autographs in his in his break, um, assuming Tops doesn't um, pull any tricks. Or, and they have been known to. Yeah. Uh, paying 900 for that, I just can't. I don't understand it. But uh, to each their own. Absolutely. Uh, I, I don't. I don't understand paying that much. But um, I. I do hope like that there aren't any prospects in this product who have only base autographs and no parallels. If you remember back in 2018 Bowman Chrome a couple of months ago, this Arizona Diamondbacks prospect named Christian Robinson mm-hmm. ended up having only base autographs and nothing else out of uh, Bowman Chrome. And uh, you got to be on the lookout for things like that. So that's why it's a really, really high gamble. You don't know what Tops is going to do. You don't know whether, whether the players have returned all of their autographs Tops on time or perhaps they return them to Tops damaged. Uh, and if they're damaged, Tops is not going to insert them into their product, so they say. So uh, you got to keep keep that in mind. you got to keep those intangibles in mind because you don't know what is going to happen when the product releases. You don't know who is going to be short printed. If you look at last year's Bowman draft, we had Joe Adele. That's right. And uh, he had uh, base autographs, and I don't think he had any refractors or blue refractors. Hey, he had gold and I think he had orange and I think he had waves and I think he had the super, but a lot of his parallels were missing. And so you had to, and I believe they were all redemptions too. Well, his base was really short printed, right? I mean, he wasn't popping up often at all. Right. So you got to, uh, got to keep, keep an eye out for things like that. And that's why I am very hesitant to bid on those auctions before the product is released. You just don't know what's going to happen. It could go, could go your way or could not. The odds are against you. So I I advise caution. That's that's what I say. Yeah, that's great advice. Very good advice. Are you opening cases yourself or do you jump um, into breaks or what do you what do you do to participate in the release? Generally, I don't do much wax ripping anymore. I used to uh, do it quite a bit, but uh, only very, very seldom will I break anymore. Although I will prospect wax. Mm-hmm. I'll buy uh, sealed cases and then just sit on them mm. and then flip them uh, 
several months later. Of course, I have to keep in mind how many redemptions are in the product. Right. Um, because I don't need, I can't have them expire before I flip the cases. So I have to, um, they only, Tops only gives you three years to, uh, re, to redeem your cards. Sometimes even sooner than that. So you have to keep, keep an eye out for that as well. But um, just recently, though, I, I have very little, if, if any, luck of opening wax to pull a, a high-end card. But just recently, the guy Brandon Marsh I told you about, mm -hmm. I decided to open a box of Bowman Chrome, and I lucked out, and I pulled a blue, excuse me, a black mojo parallel. Oh, nice. Autograph of him, which was a one. A one. So uh, I, I posted it on my Twitter and got a lot of well wishes because it's been literally 30 years since I've been started busting wax. Yeah. Before I finally pulled a, a high-end card like that. So I guess they say good things come to those who wait. Well, I did <laughs> And I have that card right here, and I'm going to get it graded. And uh, as for Bowman Draft this year, um, I haven't bought any wax yet. I'm still waiting to find them for an affordable price. Right yeah. now, they're going for like fourteen, fifteen hundred dollars a jumbo case. Of course, as you know, they don't make any hobby cases anymore. Of mm -hmm. They actually consider jumbo to be their version of hobby. Right. Super jumbo is considered to be their version of jumbo. So I don't know what their logic is there, but um, if I can find cases for say twelve, maybe twelve fifty, if I can find them, I'll probably buy a couple and maybe bust them and the of course another thing that dissuades me from busting wax is having to go through all that sorting it's uh it's a real pain literally in my back and my neck having to scroll through all that sorting and uh sometimes i sell all the cards in lots sometimes i sell them in sets and uh, it's just a have, real pain to have to do all that so that's why most of the time, I'll just uh, invest in singles. Yeah, that, that makes total sense. My 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 response to your jumbo super jumbo is that's just another example of group breaking influencing the hobby. That that's my personal opinion. Yeah, I no no question about it. Yeah, but uh, great. Well, hey, I know we're almost out of time, and I really do appreciate you jumping on today. Uh, we all with all of our guests, we do a, something we we call rapid fire. Just four or five quick questions I have for you. Totally random. Just give your stream of consciousness kind of reaction, answer to the question, and a better chance for folks to get to know you. Is that okay? And we can wrap it up and enjoy our weekend. Sure. Go for it. Cool. Uh, favorite baseball movie? Bull Durham. Bull Durham. Great. Your go-to fast food restaurant? Uh, it's cliched, but McDonald's. <laughs> What's your uh, go-to item at McDonald's to order? Rice. Rice, nice. Um, okay, you you pick a day to spend a player with. What player do you spend the day with? Uh oh, jeez. Um, Jose Canseco. I, I think the guy's crazy. <laughs> It'd be a fun day, no doubt about that. All-time favorite prospect. All-time. Um. Oh jeez! You know, I honestly can't pick one. That's like that's like Sophie's choice. I just can't pick one. <laughs> Sorry for the cop out. No, okay, no worries. Your favorite card in your collection? You might be well, looking at, at it right now. At present, it would be the Brandon Marsh uh, one of one that I recently pulled. Yeah, 
But in, in, uh, ask me again in a couple months and it'll be someone else. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what's your, uh, what's your favorite wax that you're sitting on right now? I mean, not physically sitting on, but the one that you're holding. Um, 2016 Bowman Chrome, uh, vending boxes because of the chance of holding Vladimir and Tatis and, uh, Juan Soto autographs all in one product. Vending My boxes. Goodness. You, they're basically 400 bucks a box now. And I've, only got a couple left. I, I used to, I bought I bought a seal case from Blowout a couple of years ago for like fifteen hundred bucks, and looking looking back on it, that was one of the best investments ever made. And of course, the day after I did that, they raised the prices. Oh man, yeah, no kidding. <clears throat> That's a great investment. Holy moly, absolutely great. Well, cool. Well, JP, thank you again. I really I really do appreciate. It. For folks that are listening, Japers four one three is your Twitter handle. Um, follow, follow JP there. A lot of good insight. Catch him on the blowout forums. I think you're, you're Japers and blowout, right? Correct. Yep. Yep. Have a great weekend. Okay. You too. I appreciate the time. Thank you very much. You got it. Take care. Bye-bye.